Yes, people, it's episode 209 of Griff's Brain Dub, and it's me, Griff, obviously. How are you doing? It's Sunday, the 31st of January. The month's on my side for the first month of the year. Um, so 2021, it's, it's almost Christmas. <laughs> this year's going to fly. Is it going to be as shit as 2020? We don't know. Ain't nobody know. You don't know how it's going to be, but um, we are here now. Uh, it's almost it's February tomorrow. It'll be February by the time you're listening to this. How's your January? Did you go booze free? Did you do Veganuary? Hey, you know what I mean. I don't know what um what other things there are for January, but um if you did, I hope you completed it. This is your last. Yesterday would be your last day of it, so hope you're celebrating today. You know, if you did a dry January, then I hope you're getting flipping pissed on a Monday, February. <laughs> yeah. If you did Veganuary, I hope you're eating a steak covered in cheese. Yeah, I hope that's what you're doing uh, while listening to this pod. Uh, you deserved it. Well done. You worked hard. But how has your week's been? How's your week been, people? Like, what, what's been going on in the world? Um, not much has caught my attention yet again. Um, I mean, I wrote down a few things that caught my attention. I haven't really been looking at the timeline or anything like that. Um... You know, I haven't, um, no, I haven't, I haven't really been following what's been going on in the world too much. Um, I guess in my week, before I go on about what's going on in the world, um, I, I attended a really interesting webinar um, with Dr. Jeez, I can't think of her name. Can't think of her name. It was that interesting that I, um, that I've bloody lost her name. Her name is, bear with me. Doctor, uh, I am not going to remember it at all. Um, but basically, what she did—if I can remember it—I'll I'll say it. But what she did, um, she basically she works like she's an ecologist, and uh, the word that for people who study pollen, um, she does that as well. And what she can do basically is identify whether someone's committed a crime. Um, based on like the pollen spores they have on their clothing or on their car or whatever like because she understands all the taxonomy of all these different pollen types that if she sees like the report she can literally visualize what the area will look like based on this pollen report like the unique mixture and stuff and she was brought in for like the sower murders um like just the Millie Dowler, like you know all the big, um, all the big like UK murders. They took a while to find the killer, and it's her. They called her in, and then she'd be like, "Yes," because looking at this person's genes and stuff, that means that the place this person would be be like near a river, it'd be a small river, um, and they'd have tall trees. And da da because she knows that though that plant or tree or grass grows in that area and she's like yeah so this is what you're looking for and then she'll describe the area and then people are like well there's three areas like that in a two mile radius the looking one not there looking another one not there looking the third one there'll be a strand of the girl's hair they'll find the dead body and it's just like fuck it's crazy it's just nuts like the the science involved in that like the forensic and how people get caught and she was essentially telling me right not telling me, telling everyone who's listening. Um, basically, that like how to get away with murder in the sense of you 
if you just kill someone out of anger, yeah, like just you or me, if we will listen to the pod. Like if, if I did it, you listen to the pod. I don't know if you guys are real killers out here, but <laughs> if any of us tried it, we're not seasoned killers, yeah. We are getting caught. Listen, all those weird fantasies you've had in your head, guys, yeah, because I know what it's like. You watch an action film and you go, you know what? If someone did that to my family, I'll just make them kill themselves and I'll do this and I'll just do that. Yeah, and I'll just chuck the body here. And I'll... No, you're getting caught. You're getting caught. She was um, explaining about the weird kind of um, thing that we have as uh, these, like, these killers where they... Say you, you murder someone because people will straight away get their clothes, put them in a bag, burn them, discard all the clothes. Because, but for whatever reason, a lot of killers, just a lot of humans, have an attachment to their shoes. So even though they'll get rid of their clothes, they won't get rid of the shoes that they did it in. Because a lot of people have been caught on their shoes. Um, but she said, she said, yeah, like if you've driven somewhere, that pollen's going to be in your car. If you tried to burn the car. Um, depends on the heat that some of those pollen spores are surviving that it it was really interesting man really interesting yeah and she was just saying that yeah like people who kill like those real contract they're real they're they're scientists in a way they know exactly what they're doing like so that body doesn't come up anywhere no evidence don't know who did it nuts 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 it's um yeah it's 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 cool really really cool man really cool um thing listen that's what i'm liking i'm liking listening to experts yeah that's my thing that's if i feel the need to get involved in the conversation that means i'm not listening to people who i think are smarter than me that that's what it is and shout out um stav on esn pod because he's he was saying about um Oh, what's the name of that fucking app that everyone's on? Clubhouse. And I think he was saying that, you know, it's hard listening to these people and not be able to get involved, just being sat there and not be able to get involved. And I feel that because you're, cause you're listening to people that, if not smart, Dan, you're equally smart. Or you have something to co- contribute to the conversation. So I definitely feel that, that I'd struggle to sit there and just listen to people just chatting. I'm like, you're wrong, you're, you're wrong. You know what you're saying there's wrong no no or they're there think they're on two sides of an argument and you're there going, i've just got this nuanced view that i don't think is that special but i just know it'll fix this argument you're having now your argument's dumb so i get what stav was saying about that but being in these webinars where you're hearing these experts talk and you know well, I know I have nothing to contribute to this conversation. Like, all I've got is questions. That's it. I I can't be like, well, actually, if you did this, I no, 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 got nothing to con- contribute to the conversation. It's, and it's been interesting listening to those type of conversations, man. But um, yes, that's what I've been doing in my week. That and um, that's it, really. That that's it. Um this week um what else been going on that, that's that's what was going on in, in in my life um but then yeah what's going on in the news what's going on in the news guess what's what's piqued my interest is the GameStop share uh the people versus wall street if you don't know about the GameStop share price and i haven't checked it today um it's basically been rocketing up 
And the reason it's been rocketing up is because basically um, a lot of hedge funds had shorted the stock or the share. So stock's just an American word for share. Stock and share are the same thing. Share's just the British word, but it's the same device. It's a portion of a company ownership of, of company that if it's a public listed company, the public could just buy it. If it's a private company, then no, you, you can't just freely uh, sell and buy those shares. But GameStop is a public listed company. And what um, hedge funds do is they short a stock. So what most people uh, will do is when they buy stocks and shares is a will buy it with the hope that the value goes up. Right. But. There's a thing called shorting where you actually bet that the stock will go down. And that's how you make money. You bet the stock will go down rather than it going up. Now, a lot of people don't like um, shorting because it feels a bit nasty. Like, you should win everyone to win. You know what I mean? Like, when you're betting on football, you bet on a team to win. But effectively, you're also betting on a team to lose. But no one really frames their bet like that. So you've got that. Some stock exchanges do not allow um, shorting. Um, you got, I don't want to get too deep into it. You've got naked shorting. Naked shorting is where you just, you bet on it going down. You don't have to cover your position. But anyway, I won't go too deep into it. But how you short a stock, for those who are interested, is, is this. Is what you do is you borrow the stocks off someone. So I borrow it off you for £10, right? So I've, so I'm borrowing the stocks, but they value ten pounds, right? I don't have to pay. I'm just borrowing them off you. Then I sell them to someone else for ten pounds. The shot, the, the shares go down because I know they're going down. I'm betting that they go down. They go down to five pounds. What I do is then buy those shares back. So I've now made five pounds profit on each share, and I give those shares back to the person I borrowed them from. Yeah. Now, I don't know really how that mechanism actually works in, in exactly, but that is the essence of what you do. So obviously you're betting that the price goes down because then you make your money. But what happened here was that um, some very savvy people noticed that there was hedge funds who had a big shorting position. And what they did is they thought, right, if we, we rally behind the stock, when you buy the stock, you drive the price up. So the price of GameStop shares went up and up and up and up, causing hedge funds to lose upwards of $12 billion, right? To the point that some had to file for insolvency, some of hedge funds collapsed, some hedge funds had to be bailed out by other hedge funds. And here's things that it was a big way middle finger to Wall Street, and it was hilarious. That is one side of the story. That is, yes, the little man has beaten Wall Street. Fuck you. And everyone's going, now, why comes NASDAQ? That's the company that runs the stocks. How comes they're now stopping this? And they're talking about regulations. They never spoke about regulations before. Here's the thing. They have always spoke about regulations. And you aren't actually allowed to falsely manipulate the price of a stock or a share. Okay. And that's essentially what's happened because the value of a company can go up by the actual value of the company going up in a sense of, right, if I make cars and now my company's actually invested in new technology, which means we're going to make more cars or we're going to make the most popular car and we're going to sell more cars. 
the value of the company is now increased and therefore the price goes up. But a part of the stock market is speculation. There's a rumour that goes round that we're going to buy a new factory. Shit, buy the stocks now because it's going to go up. But when they see that everyone's trying to buy the stocks, the price goes up. There's a limited amount of something supply and demand. If there's a more demand than supply, the price goes up. Is it more supply than demand? Price goes down. Right. So this is what happened to stock. The stock has now gone up through the roof, inflated, but it's not a real value increase. Okay, so that's what's happening there. Now, there's always been regulations on that, but they hadn't, exp they, you don't tend to get the public all rallying around in one movement. We're all small individual retail investors. We're not big institutes, so that doesn't tend to happen, right? So it's all happened on this Reddit thread. If you don't know Reddit, Reddit is, um, it's, it's a social network social media app where people talk on threads who used to be owned by serena williams husband and um they've got a thread there which was basically just there telling people to buy shares into gamestop right and even set up an app called robin hood to facilitate um the purchase of these stocks now what's happened is the it's, it's gone up it's gone up it's gone up and people keep on buying they keep on buying to drive the price up and just hammer these um these hedge funders now here's the side of the story that people aren't talking about right is this is the fact that right robin hood had to stop they couldn't um put through the last set of transactions we would have made um more of these retailers a lot of money uh, while wall street was allowing the big bad hedge funds to do it here's what actually happened with robin hood when you take that much money from people yeah You've ex you've we have you have an exposure. So if you have now so if you've if I've sold you stocks at one pound, the price has gone up to ten pounds. I now, as Robin Hood, need to have ten pounds ready there to give you when you say I'm selling my stock, right? So now imagine if you're driving the price up, I now need a day or two to get more cash to say I need more cash to pay out these these shares you see see what i mean because people might start selling they may not sell but you need to have the cover it's uh it's a, it's a genuine banking principle um it's from what i think it's the basel solvency thing as well like even your, your normal retail banks they don't need to have the exact amount of cash for all the accounts they have but they do need a, a certain percent just in the kind of reasonable assumption that not everyone's going to draw money out of their bank accounts at the same time. It's a similar kind of uh, premise, yeah? We got, we, if we all went to the bank, tried to draw our money out, the bank's like, no, stop, no. They'll just put a freeze on that because they, they can't do that. Same way if you went to Betfair, Bet365, and everyone bet on Leicester City to win the league at 5,000 to 1, and everyone came in to get their money well, actually, after about 10 or... I was about 20 bets on that. You see that Betfair would lower those odds. Not because they think Leicester have an increased chance of winning. They have to lower their exposure. So that's why Robin Hood couldn't actually um, execute any more transactions. They had to get more cash. Their exposure was too high. But here's the thing, though, right, with this. It's really cool if you're the people at the start of this rebellion, right? You know, I fought a game uh, stop share at a pound great brilliant and now it's gone up to 10 pound 20 pound fantastic 
I can get out of this position and sell, make loads of money, or I could just hold on to my stock because I only put a quid in anyway. But there's some people out there who are coming in right at the end. Yeah, you see what I mean? They're coming in where the stock's now really high. I think it's floating about $350 per share. They're coming in at that amount. I go, ha, yeah, I hope it's going to go up because uh, they fuck you to the hedge funds. No, no, mate. There's no fuck you to the hedge funds there because it's not going to go up. It can't keep climbing. Right. And here's the other thing. There's a hedge fund out there who's now going to take a shorting position when it's at three hundred and fifty dollars. And when it comes crashing down to one dollar. Guess who's going to be making lots of money? Those hedge funders. And guess who's probably going to make that money back? The hedge funders who you took all that money from. That's right. You've created a position that they are going to make more money from. Because, So those hedge funds had to be bailed out by other hedge funds. Guess what they'll do? They'll say, all right, mate, we'll cover you. I'm actually going to short the position now. And then when I get that money back, I'll chuck you some money back. But you'll owe us this. And then we'll make profit of that further drop. Yeah, that's that's what's going to happen. And the the little guy, the retail, we're going to have our day and have a laugh at Wall Street. Ha ha ha, you beat the big bad uh, corporations. But they're going to have the last laugh. They're going to have the last laugh. The hedge funds will have the last laugh. They're going to make fuck loads of money from this. Because GameStop's a failing business. So like I said, there's no real value that's caused... the. There's no transactions that actually cause the value to increase at GameStop. They're not investing in more stores. They're not selling anything. They're on the verge of collapse. They're going to collapse. That price is going to go through the floor. And uh, yeah, and I'm sorry if you had no interest in finances at all or um, investments or financial instruments, derivatives and all that good stuff. Um, but I did read a book or two about it. I sometimes do forget <laughs> that, that, you know, I know a bit about this stuff, um, even though I don't put any of it to use because I, because it's the odd thing about being a, a qualified accountant is I'm also a philosopher in the sense of I realise how made up it is as well. It's very strange. It's very made up. The fact that the prices just go up just through people speculating. So good on the people who did, um, you know, fuck over the hedge funds, fun. And the people who started that, they made a lot of money. There's no two ways about it. They're buying billboards in Times Square, some of these people. Probably with the money that they conned their other Reddit mates, the Redditors, to get on board. So um, that there's talk about it happening with a few other shares, but I'm pretty sure that the stock exchange is going to come in, and the New York stock exchange is going to come in and stop a repeat of this. Because it is actually manipulation of the market. People lose faith in the market. So um, it's a weird, wacky instrument. And I'm not saying that um, that hedge funds and stuff aren't dodgy. Um, they don't trade on insider trading. They, they definitely do. They definitely do. So it's fun to give them a little up yours. But they will win in the end. <laughs> that's just that's just the way it's going to go. They're going to win in the end. That's just, just how it works out. Um, but it was fun. It was fun while it lasted. Um, what else is going on in the world? Um, what else I'll write down? Uh, geez. Uh, 
Um, oh, that's what I've been doing this week. I lied. Um, obviously, working from home with the wife, and she is a teacher. And she, in, in her school, they're basically trying to introduce literature from different cultures, which I think is fantastic. Um, and they're not introducing it under, you know, it's not Black History Month, so we're going to do a black book. It's Diwali, so we're going to do an Asian book and talk about Hinduism. It's Ramadan, let's talk about Islam. It, it, they're not doing that. It's just English. It's under English, it's literature, and we're just reading books from different uh, cultures, which I thought, wicked, good idea. And I said that, so that's really good that you, your school's doing it. And I think it was actually my wife's initiative to do that, so big her up. And um, she was like, right, I need to find a book. I want to do one that's black. I was like, cool. So we started trying to look, and I was just helping her out. So I started to look for a black book. Now, every black book that we found was either, ready? It was either about the struggle. So it's like, my hair is beautiful. You know what I mean? Little girl's magical afro. It's, it was, you know, it's either about the struggle like that, um, where it was just in your face that they're black. Um... But there's no culture to it, yeah? So it's just a story about a, a magical afro. <laughs> it was either that, or it was just a regular story where just if, if you don't look at the illustration, you don't know that the character's black. So then there's, again, no reference to culture. Just Sam. Sam's a mate. Sam and his dog. And then you look at the picture, Sam's a black boy. And he's like, okay, cool. But, again, no reference to culture. And the reason I'm talking about reference to culture is because like, when she was reading a book, um, she was reading a book about some kid from whose family was like, from the Middle East, but they're in the UK now. And they're talking about shaitan and jinns and, and stuff. And it was, it was touching on Islam. Yeah, it was touching on that. But it was set of a child who's grown up in the Islamic faith, but in the UK. So the kids can see, like, oh, I'm from the UK too. And, yeah, they've got brothers and sisters and they do this and this. But, oh, they've got this different culture that I've never really heard much about, right? Whereas the Black Books, it was just, like, it was talking about... Like, one book was reading, like, read an extract before it goes to class. Like, oh, and the kids used to call me Blackie. I'm like, Jesus, like, wow. This is going to just talk about racism. And, I, and it, it's, like, dawning on me, like, in literature... Or just in like life, like, can you separate blackness from struggle? Like, is blackness framed by racism? You know what I mean? Like, is it framed slavery and overcoming adversity? Like, is that so intertwined with being black? Like, is there's no separation of the two? So I said, to her, all right, don't look for black books. Look for African books. Then look for African books, Caribbean books. Then there's then. It's actually a culture they have to talk about. You know, we're not a monolith. We know that. So, you know, if there's an African book, they might, the book might be written by someone who's Nigerian. And, it, you know, it might be specific. It might be like an Ibo book or, you know, Yoruba book. Like, you know what I mean? It, it might be that. Or it might be South African and it might be, you know, Zulus and whatever. Right? But every African book... It's like my first lion. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Or it's like the elephants, the four elephants. It's like, 
it's just bare animals. I was like, what's going on? Like, <laughs> like what, what's happening? The African books are just animals. That's it. Like, and he's like, well, these kids are from the UK, so you, do, you want there to be some connection. They don't want it just to be this, this, this distant thing over there. The whole idea is these cultures are over there, but they are here around you as well. They might not be in your face, but your friend, your black friend there, your African friend, when he goes home, yeah, he might be talking about this or eating this food, listening to this music. But all these books are telling us, like, when your African friend goes home, he's got a fucking giraffe in his garden. <laughs> What's going on? Um, and it was nuts. It just blew my mind. We couldn't find any books. Every book was just... If it was a book based in the UK... Of a, of a black main character, it was either it didn't matter that they were black, or it was framed in racism, or, or struggle, or just adversity. And it's just like, rah, like, can't you just have like just a fucking kids book where it's a black boy who's lost his flipping watch, and his mum speaks a little bit of patois at home and gives him some rice and peas. It's like, oh, food, that's a different dish. That's a different cuisine I haven't heard. Oh, oh, he's listening to this music. And, okay, what's that? And, you know what I mean? Doug? Oh, that's something I haven't heard. Or, you know what I mean? The, the mum's wearing a gele. I mean, just something that's just different. A bit of culture. But it's based in the UK. Like, our experience, like, black people's experience growing up in the UK. Like, no books reflecting that in a positive light or just a neutral light it has to be like a bit negative or it just doesn't even matter i just found it interesting but anyway when i was so i started researching about you know ethnicity in, in books and literature right and um check this out so um here's some stats so 6478 children's books were published in the uk in 2019 of those, 680 featured ethnic minority characters. 10% of the children's books published in 2019 featured ethnic minority characters compared to 7% in 2018 and 4% in 2017. So it's going up. 5% of children's books published in the UK in 2019 had an ethnic... Oh, get the... Get some advert, man. Sorry. 5% of children's books published in the UK in 2019 had an ethnic minority main character compared to 4% in 2018 and 1% in 2017. Nuts. A main character, right? Um, so put that, check this out. Although 33.5% of UK's primary school population in 2019 um, were minority ethnic origin, only 5% of children's books had an ethnic minority main character, right? I didn't realise that's how many um, ethnic minority students are... Oh, rocking in schools now. A third. No wonder they voted Brexit. They're taking over. But um, here's the stat, though. This killed me. This made me laugh so much, so it shouldn't have. Um, diversity in 2018, children's books, right? So percentage of books depicting characters from diverse backgrounds based on 2018 publishing statistics and compiled by the Cooperative Children's Book Centre, School of Education, the University of Wisconsin-Madison, right? So... Um, not sure if this is worldwide or in the US. Um, I can't, I can't see that on here, but check this out. So in 2018, yeah, 
50% of characters were white. 50% of characters were white. What was the next group after that? I'm going to give you a little time. Yeah. So 50% of characters were white. Now, when I said that to my wife, she was like, oh, that's okay. That's not that high. And I go, well, 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 you, you don't know how the other numbers are broken down. So 50% are white. 10% are African or African-American. Oh, so it must be an Amer- American. 10% are African or African-American. So 50% are white, 10% are African or African-American. 27% are animals or other. Yeah, that's it. Publishers would rather write a book about a talking car or kettle than put a fucking black boy in there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Jesus. Um, it, uh, that hit me. That made me think, raw. Because when I grew up, like, representation is one of those things that you don't realise you need until you've actually been pointed out you didn't have it. Right? Because I, I didn't care that I didn't have representation because that was just life. I didn't care. It was whatever. It didn't really dawn on me. But then when I think about what Disney story did I relate to the most? Did I feel most, like, you know, a bond to? Lion King. It's based in Africa. Fucking Simba. Simba was my representation. A yellow lion. <laughs> Lions, mate. Lions and baboons. Pumba. Flipping warthog. That jungle book. Even though that was India. Again. That was like, that's as close as it's going to get. Mowgli. That's as close as it's going to get. Oh, I'll take that. You know what I mean? just like every and then when I think about it, everyone had one Middle East even had Aladdin Asian had Mulan East Asians had Mulan talk about I know I hey listen listeners I know I've spoken to Asian people and I've read the think piece on Mulan's a mess like we don't we might not see it because we're not part of that culture but Mulan is a mess like if you're Asian you're like, what the hell is this? Like, one minute, this is Japanese. Another minute, that's Chinese. Right, that's Filipino. And what? That? No, that's Korean. Like, she can't be all these things. You're, you're saying the wrong things. <laughs> right, that's... It's a mess. It's a hot mess, Mulan. I know it is. Um, Yeah. But it was just interesting to me, man. Just, like, the diversity in the books. But it's like... It, just, just the black children's books. It's, it's just a bit... It's a bit sad, like... It's a bit sad that it's just black children's book. It's a struggle. It's getting whacked in the face of struggle. You know what I mean? You just have to have such a hard message of, you know what I mean? Just your, your hair's beautiful and da 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 da. And, like, and it's, these messages are positive and they're good and they need to be spread. But it's just like, I don't know, I think like black excellence is such a weight. Imagine being told you started from behind and also. Hearing black excellence all the time. It's like, yeah, it is excellent that you've that you've started from behind and you've ended up on top. But like, it's a lot of pressure. Like, you've got to celebrate some black mediocrity, I think. So <laughs> you're a bit of black average. That's what I'm celebrating. That's my campaign in 2021. Be a bit of black mediocrity. You know, if you just got a job, you covering your bills, and you know what I mean, that's Good, some black mediocrity. Let's celebrate that. Don't need excellence, yeah. You know what I mean? 
He's just the average person. Just say, I ain't been in prison. Got one car. Doing my job. I ain't got all the Sky channels, but I've got the ones I can afford. And my kids just go to a normal school. Yeah! Celebrate some black mediocrity. That's what's just in the middle there. That's all you need. That's all you need. But, um... I think that's it. I mean, I, I don't want to talk about anything else. I, mean, I was going to talk about the HS2 protest at Euston, but I, if you don't know about that, to people just it, it just made me laugh that one day on the news they were looking at this the campsite on the green outside Euston who were protesting the HS2 railway, um, and they was like, yeah, these protesters have been here for a while, but one of them has showed us one little secret development, and they built this tunnel. They literally dug into the ground and built a tunnel, right? And I was like, mm. I mean, you can protest peacefully, but you can't now build unsafe tunnels. Like, that's going to get fucking sorted out in a bit. Guess what? Next day on the same six o'clock BBC News, it's like, police have run in. <laughs> police have broken up a protest in Houston. And stuff. They just locked it off because now it's a health and safety thing. That mean? Like, if I decide just to sit outside my house and just protest with placards and stuff, cool. Police work, could you just move on? It's annoying. But they can't make me move on. I'm not causing any danger, I'm not trespassing, whatever. But now, if I start, you know, launching flamethrowers and start digging in the ground and stuff, it's like, okay, now you're causing criminal damage and it's dangerous to yourself and the public. Get out. That's it. I was just like, this is just... This woman thinks she's been really cool showing the BBC a tunnel and she thinks she's, you know, going to spread the word for her campaign. The people are going to go, oh, yeah, do you know what? We should have built this high-speed railway. We should think about the trees, you know. No. No one watched it. Who cares? Yeah. I mean, no one cared. And your, and your protest just got shut down because <laughs> you was too excited to show people your secret shit. But, ah, uh, I don't know. Anyway, let's get some Dear Deirdre. Um, I am pretty cold. Uh, right. Woo! Um, clear my throat. <clears throat> right. Dear Deirdre. And some of you are listening to this waiting for uh, my wife to come on. She's not coming on this week, all right? She's not coming on this week. I had people messaging me going, it's so great when she's on. The piss off. It's my pod. No, <laughs> no, I'm messing, I'm messing, she's, um, she, she was busy earlier, so, I was like, fine, it's alright, I'll do it, uh, right, is this, is this gonna, is this gonna load up, come on, Deirdre, come on, Deirdre, oh, dear, uh, do I should just, like, spoke about the HS2 thing while searching for this, okay, here we go, wow, this is a, a fucker. Let's see, right. Come on, man. What's going on with my internet? I don't know what's going on. Is there anything else I can talk about while Dear Deirdre notes? What else has been going on this week? Uh, nope. I ain't find anything. Who knows? I mean, March the 8th's been announced as the date that might go back to, like, schools might reopen, like, based on absolutely nothing. Um you got a silhouette challenge going on, um, which, you know, cool. People are flipping boards. 
Um, American men are way fruitier than UK men. Uh, because we just don't do that stuff. We see that kind of challenge and we're like, okay, guillotine. That's that's for women to do. Cool. If that's what they want to do. But Americans like, nah, B. Oh, these these girls and they sexy man. Like, we can do sexy dog. Start like when um, it was like spectacular for Pretty Ricky wanting to offer Chris Brown and Amara to a grind off. Man started just grinding in his pants on camera on his own. Like, you, you started this, man. Why are you starting this? Put your trousers on and switch your camera off. Like, please. What, what's going on? Anyway, dear Deirdre, my lazy lover used me to babysit his children while he went out on the pool. Madness. Dear Deirdre, I went, I was swept off my feet by a man I thought would be the father of my children. But fast forward two years and I'm convinced he was using me to babysit his children while he went out on the pool. I feel like a complete mug. So do you have children from before? Because if they're your children, don't say you're babysitting his children because that's nuts. And that means that, yeah, shut up. Let's see. I'm 27 year old woman and met him after coming out of a long-term relationship, which ended because my ex didn't want children while well, I do. Okay, that's sad. When I met this charmer down the local, um, he came across as a dedicated dad whose flighty ex had left him to look after their children. Oh, left him to look after children single-handedly. Oh, right. I fell for it. Hook, line and sinker. He was 31 then. He quickly introduced me to his children, a girl of five and a three-year-old boy. Um, I was happy to cook and clean for them as they're great kids, polite and lots of fun. Just after, after just two months, we moved in together and I felt like we could be a proper family. But once I was living with him, he didn't make as much effort with me. I was doing all the housework as well as being the only earner. Jesus! He took you for a mug. He took you for a mug today. You look after his kids. I can't think of anything else to run away but yeah, he's going to go out and get laid. Ah, I did it. Anyway, so he claimed he was too busy looking after the children to work, but never cooked or cleaned up after them. Um, he started needing to get out for some fresh air, which I soon learned meant spending the night in the pub. Yeah, how did he end up down the pub when you met him? Probably his ex looking after the kids then. Um, I didn't mind to begin with, as I really liked tucking the kids in at night. Um, it was the thing I looked forward to most about being a mum. But before he was down the pub, before long he was down the pub, more than he was home. And when he did get back, he would be he would be so drunk he couldn't make it up the stairs and passed out on the sofa most nights. Magoo. Um, I started to suspect he was messing around with other women as he was constantly distracted by his phone. All right. Um, one night he came home slurring and reeking of perfume. Another night, his shirt buttons were torn. Yeah, I mean, this is all looking pretty conclusive. No, no more no more further questions. Um, if I asked him to stay in, he accused you of trying to tie him down. Nah, your kids tied you down, mate. Um, he, we ended up having a huge screaming matches. Then just over two months ago, he announced he had met someone else and wanted me out within 24 hours. This is what happened to you. You were the person he met. Last time. That's how he was ended up down the pub. I was devastated. Mostly because I couldn't say a proper goodbye to the children. These children are going to be fucked up, man. 
I bet he makes you made the kids call you mum as well. Mess. It took him four weeks to move in his next girlfriend. And I've heard through mutual friends he is staying at home much more with her. But only because the pubs are closed. Yep. Yep. I would like my own family still. But I'm scared of being played by another man. How can I make sure uh, I won't make a complete idiot of myself again? Just move on, man. Don't, don't have this. Don't carry your baggage in front of you. Okay? Yeah? You don't have to carry it. You don't even have to put... It doesn't have to be baggage. Just put it in the garage. Leave it there. Put it in the attic. Leave it there. If you get really brave, just put it on the fire and burn it. Right? You don't need to carry it with you everywhere. Okay? Yes, you got mugged off by one guy. Does it now mean every guy's a dickhead? No. But does that mean that you should go into things blindly? No, doesn't mean that either. Just means take time. Let's get to know someone a bit more. Maybe someone doesn't have kids. Well, if they do have kids, ask them what the relationship's like with the mum. Ask them what the setup is before you get there. That's what you do. But you don't, yeah, like, you don't start writing off all men because of this. Because still, what are you going to end up doing? You're going to end up a lesbian, an unhappy lesbian in a relationship with a woman who's got kids. Who you're going to end up babysitting those kids because she's going to be down the pub. <laughs> all right. So don't, don't, um, right, um, uh, let's see, let's see, let's see, uh, let's see, let's see, let's see, all right, let's do bedroom boredom, jeez, I'm cold, this is going to be my last one, actually, because I just realised how bloody cold I am sat in this car, um, yeah, the, the heat, has left the vehicle and uh, my hand is freezing. Okay, come on, come on, come on. Come on. You think I'd have learned from the last one that I should have just carried on talking while um, searching for a new one and it let it load. Now I could just roll straight into the next dilemma. But nope, I just thought I would just end the previous dilemma and then just wait and then press play, uh, press for the next one but here we are anyway bedroom boredom my boyfriend and i are never passionate and routinely have sex once a week missionary position for three minutes okay then reverse cowgirl for four then doggy for three and if you're not finished by then then we must disengage must disengage <laughs> you're minutes away from climaxing and they're just counting down with the routine saying, okay, you must come. You must come within 15 seconds. No, I just need 25. No. 10, 9, 8, 7. No, please, just a bit more. No, 4, 3, 2, 1. Disengage. Good night. Need my eight hours. Routine sex. You knew when the sex was coming. I don't know why you wasn't prepared to ejaculate before. It began. Anyway, dear DG, my boyfriend of two years and I have always had an issue with sex. We never had the passionate stage where we can't keep our hands off each other. Okay. We are both 26. Sex is once a week. No more, no less. He says that it is enough for him, yet he watches porn three times a day. All right, buddy. Buddy. When she said he watches porn, I was like, yeah, I mean, men, that's what men do, that's what women do, people watch porn, whatever. 
Masturbating's easier than sex. Different activity. You know what I mean? Sex, maybe with a partner, sex is about connection and all that stuff, right? But, uh, but porn, just like, eh, just get it, get it off. But three times a day, mate, that means you are very horny and you probably should have sex with a lady. Have sex with a beautiful woman. Um, <laughs> he says he does, he does that through boredom because he's working from home. That can be a thing. Um, a few times recently, he has struggled to climax and lost his erection. God damn. Um, I've asked him what I can do about my looks. Um, to be more, I'll do about my looks to be more appealing to him. He always insists I'm lovely as I am, but how can that be true? Because he has sex with you once a week on a Tuesday. Now, um, if he did find me attractive, he wouldn't need porn so much. Not true. Don't compare yourself to porn. Okay, they're two different things. All right. That's like a man can play football, but he may also have a PS5 and play FIFA. Yeah. And he might still watch football. And then he might watch Match of the Day. It doesn't mean that he now doesn't really like doing the real thing and playing football. You see what I mean? They're different things. So of course he wants to watch a flipping gangbang. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't mean he doesn't love you anymore. Or he doesn't find you attractive. Huh? You know what I mean? Because he wants to watch some you know, plumber come in and do some plumbing. But not really do any plumbing. Down tools and pull out his tool. Because he wants to watch that doesn't mean that doesn't find you attractive. So don't do that. Don't do that, my love. Um, how can I compete with porn stars? You can't. You don't need to. Porn stars are on his phone. You're there. Put it like this: if the Wi-Fi went down, his porn's gone. Unless he's got it backed up on the hard drive. But you're still there. See what I mean? You're not the same thing. You're not competing. He doesn't want to date and marry his porn. So I don't know why you'd even compare yourself. But if you want more sex, just, um, just lay it on him. Just lay it on him. Just go, oi, oi, let's do sex.